Hello and welcome to episode three of Top Landing Gear, the great British air show. And our thanks to the thousands of you who have already subscribed and given us some really great reviews. And whether you've been with us from the start or are new to Top Landing Gear, I hope you'll remain with us for the long haul. Uh, we're here with a bit of a sizzler this week. Um, all will become clear when you find out who our special guest is. But ever since we set up this podcast, our idea was to bring you stories firsthand from, amongst other things, air shows. Now, sadly, that hasn't been possible so far, but that doesn't mean we can't talk about them. So that's exactly what we're going to do. And we'll bring you right up to date with what's likely to happen this year, if anything, and how all of this might affect the UK air show scene in the future. How can we do that? Because we've got the man who has the inside track on all of this. He's CEO of the British Air Displays Association. He also displays historic aircraft himself and is an air show commentator. Hopefully that's whetted your appetite and you'll stay with us because we'll uh, leave him on the back burner for now and catch up with him a little later when all four of us will grill George Smokey Bacon. This is Top Landing Gear. That was, I think you'll agree, fantastic. Wow. Yeah. That was, yeah, it was, well, it was where's there. The, where's the bell? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That's the pun. Uh, hey! Uh, right, well, let's meet the team. I think they're coming coming round after that little intro. Uh, I'm Rob Curling, TV presenter, and of course a bit of an aviation devotee. And with me this and every week are pop superstar Roy Stride, pilot James Cartner, and of course agricultural fencer Jez curling but let's say hello to roy first of all roy talking about air shows what are your favorite air show memories or your favorite air show of all time oh my god i love air shows my favorite air show would be duxford last time mm. i left that i left as i think 12 spitfires took off on a scramble <laughs> and uh it was it was incredible but i being in the band we actually play quite a few air shows and we've had some amazing moments uh i remember sound checking at bournemouth air show uh and we were sound checking and the uh, typhoon did a fairly low pass right <laughs> past uh the the festival tent where we were playing and it nearly took the uh it, it took the the roof off uh and so we yeah we've had some great times with the band and great times with the kids i love an air show oh, fantastic jez what about you we were lucky to have Wings and Wheels literally five minutes down the road from us at Dunsfold, which I went to a lot. Probably, I, I can't remember how many years it was going for, but probably went to most of them. And it was brilliant always seeing the BBMF and um, I think the Vulcan was always a highlight for me. If I had to pick one moment, though, as a display, I think seeing the Harrier and probably one of its last ever displays yeah. was absolutely incredible. Yeah. I just loved it. it and was, we had the kids there as well. They were quite young. But everybody just stopped and yeah. watched it. It was absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, I think that. It was always a fantastic... And that was at the home of the Harrier as well. Of effectively course. Was yeah. where it was, uh, of course, yeah. The Spanish still have the Harrier, don't they? They they bring that one over and display, which is very kind of them. And what about you, Jimbo, as a, as a former RAF man? Um, I know you're a big fan of the Chinook, aren't we all? Um, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but what I would say is... <laughs> <laughs> that I think air shows for me. Um, the uh, the my, my, one of my first well not first memories but one of an early memory when I just after I joined the, the RAF was was at a uh, one of the I think it was the RAF Coningsby air show when when air bases used to have their own air shows and I think it was the first time I'd seen a tornado at really low level and this aircraft flashed past 
wings swept and everything. And I thought, wow, it's silent. How did they manage that? <laughs> and then about <laughs> 10 seconds later, the noise goes past. And it, it's just the most amazing sight of this thing. It was probably flashing by at about 100 feet, fully swept. Yeah, it really does look like a beast of the sky with this massive fin. Yeah. And it's called the, the Norfolk Norfolk land shark for, for, for good reason. <laughs> uh, and then the, and then the noise just hits you yeah. a few seconds later. Uh, and I, that, that was just for me stands out. And although I love, I love the old aircraft. And I love seeing all the classics, the sort of the raw power and, and the heavy metal uh, still yeah. titillates me mm, somewhat. Yeah, What's the, uh, What's the beef with you and the Chinook? Just I don't want to <laughs> no, be accused no, of having uh, any any in jokes, but is that is that to do with the fact um, that you were a helicopter pilot of a different variety? I I flew a different helicopter uh, to the Chinook, yeah. um, a couple of different ones, um, and the Chinook is an inc- it is an incredibly capable aircraft. Yeah, uh, it is a fantastic bit of kit, you know, really well designed and a brilliant bit of kit. But the people who fly it don't <laughs> have to tell you about it. <laughs> and I, we even got, I even, I even got a uh, comment recently on the on the website saying, um, "Oh yeah, Pumas, <clears throat> didn't they used to lift the nets for us so we could actually lift the proper heavy loads?" Um, so yeah, it, it, there's always a bit of, so bit of um, right, okay. a bit of an edge between between non Chinook pilots and everyone else. Uh, and it's a fantastic piece. I'll never take anything away from yeah. it. But boy, do they tell you how much you can lift every. <laughs> Well, guess who we've got on the programme in the following months? The Chinook Display Team. So that's going to be brilliant. I think you're definitely going to lead the interview. You're away that week, aren't you, James? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm flying. Then. Yeah. No, oh, brilliant. Yeah, it's a, the Chinook Display is amazing. I mean, it's such a lump, and yet it's it just performs so balletically. It's amazing what he can do. The first time I saw the Chinook Display, yeah, it absolutely yeah. blew my mind. Because when you see, the first time you ever see the Chinook do the display, because it's not like, because it just looks like a, like a truck in the sky. (laughs) And then suddenly it starts spinning round and you've got the guy hanging out the back with the hands and like, (laughs) there's all this, you're like, what? Like the first time I saw it, I was like hiding the kids and yeah. So I'm a big fan of that display team. uh, Yeah, me too. I mean, none of what it does should be possible, should it? It just sort of hangs in the air. It's beautiful. To credit to the Shinnok guys, it is a very good display. That's why they talk about it. He's coming back now that he's been threatened with an interview with them. Yeah, we might. Have to talk about helicopter displays later, but um, we're going to start with our regular feature, which is Ask James, and uh, this is your chance and ours, of course, to ask our resident expert James anything you like about aviation. And our post bag has been stuffed into a cupboard as it never has <laughs> anything in it. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, an email has flooded in uh, from Calamity Brit. Um, uh, who asks James, who is the most interesting or famous person you have flown? Uh, oh, that's As an airline on. pilot, I'd take it. Would it be one? Not necessarily. Uh, well, I've flown in the military. I flew uh, Prince Charles around. That was uh, quite an exciting day out, a couple of days out. Um, and he was fascinating just to see how he works and his knowledge of everything that he, that he seems to talk about is, is amazing. Um, so mm. that was fascinating. Uh, for me, I think one of the most interesting people I've flown is Liz Hurley. <laughs> yep. Probably for different reasons, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I've interviewed Liz Hurley. Have you? Yeah. She, she didn't mention you. And um, <laughs> the, I asked her not to. <laughs> the, uh, 
The uh, <laughs> I think one of the best interactions with the crew I've ever had was uh, Cliff Richard. We took him out to a uh, oh. uh, one of his concerts, and he offered all the crew um, tickets to his concert and everything. He was a fantastic guy. Um, Did anyone go? No, we couldn't because we had to come. What home. Was it like a scouting for girls? Good. <laughs> no one wants to turn up on their free ticket. <laughs> All right. A bit, a bit punchy this evening, guys. So, yeah, um, a platter of them. Uh, I suppose Prince Charles does um, does sort of stand out as, as a fairly, um, yeah, uh, an interesting day out. Mm. Oh, fantastic. Uh, another question. In films and books, you see pilots letting children up into the cockpit. Does this ever happen? And have you ever done it? These days, it's very difficult to take anybody other than um, airline personnel in the flight deck. Obviously, with the rules since mm. uh, since the security issues changed uh, over ten years ago. Uh, but I was fortunate enough to um, go flying on an Irish registered aircraft who have slightly different rules. And with them, really? I did. Yeah, um, and the Irish. I say, as long as you have the permission of the chief pilot, you can bring somebody up who is. Um, approved and known to the captain um so i have been lucky enough to take all three sons um on flights in the flight oh, with me fantastic. and they've oh, sat there on the jump seats and uh, and watched me fly so yeah, oh that's lovely fortunate uh, but it's it's happening the, the chance of it happening seem to be reducing i flew i flew to australia um about 17 years ago and uh <laughs> i was with a bunch of mates going to watch a rugby tour and um I was accused of being the saddest man in the aircraft because I actually said, could I go up to the flight deck to one of the uh, cabin crew? And I went, yeah, yeah, come up. And it was at night, we were flying over somewhere south. I don't know where we were. And the crew was so <laughs> delighted that someone had actually bothered to take an interest uh, no. that I'd come up. And in fact, the same thing happened last So that was flying, but the same thing actually happened last year. We flew to Turkey on holiday. And as we um, were on a Thompson uh, 767 or something, and as we landed... I just said to the kids, should we ask if we can go and have a look at the, at, at the flight deck? And everyone else is just getting off the aircraft. And um, I, I went, oh, no, that's really embarrassing. And I said, oh, come on. So we went up and said, would it be possible to ever look in? And he went, yeah, no, come in. And we, they literally didn't, they wouldn't, didn't want to let us go because they were so pleased that a, a dad and his kids had come up to show some interest in what was going on. And we had, they sat in, the, they sat in the, the pilot seats and they – let them fiddle with the control. We were obviously stationary, but it was brilliant. I thought, oh, that's so good. They actually wanted to do that. We do sometimes get quite a bit of that, and, and you do often get a dad with his two kids, um, <laughs> and the kids don't give a damn, but the dad <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And what about this? What does that do? And what is, can I wear that hat, please? No. <laughs> I was totally seeing that is how that went down. No, it didn't go like that. It was the other way around, honestly. Oh, Johnny and Lottie are there going, oh, my God, That's so embarrassing. Dad. Can we just get off the aircraft, please? Oh, good on them. One of my earliest memories was when I flew to Australia for the first time. Uh, when I was five. It was the first flight I'd ever been on. I was allowed to go up to the flight cockpit and, and see everything. I think that was one of the reasons that started my whole love of aviation all, all those right. years I, ago. I think so. it's really sad at the moment that that, that uh, is generally out of the window and kids can no longer come up and see you actually flying. Yeah, yeah then come at the end. But I, again, a lot of my early memories are going up to the flight deck and, and, and yeah. watching it fly. Uh, and that yeah. does, whatever you say, it sparks an interest that you don't necessarily get the same on the ground. You're still happy to do it, and and I think most most airline crews are really happy for people to come up and, and chat. Um, but it, I, I think it's it's such a such a, such a shame yeah. that we can't um, go up to the flight deck mm. in flight anymore. I had a couple of visits on a on a BA 
757 coming into Heathrow at night mm. and I was up on the in the jump seat for for the landing which was absolutely stunning mm. it was just brilliant yeah so London really is flying over London at night is still yeah. still takes my breath away James I want to ask you um how your kids respond to your cabin announcements because our <laughs> uncle who used to fly for Air Canada uh, his family would quite often travel as passengers when he was up front flying and they just hid their heads in in their hands whenever Uncle Peter made an announcement because it's always ums and ahs. Yeah. I mean, they're always the same, yeah. aren't they? they are. I mean, the, the, the worst thing you can do, I think, is a funny uh, captain's uh, <laughs> PA because they're not funny. There's a lot of people in there gripping hold of the seats on their, you know, this is their, they, in their minds, they're in a, death tube to hell and the last thing they want is some guy going hi guys we're all gonna die eventually (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i i i never try to be funny uh on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i always get feedback whenever i am flying with my family they all say oh you would you spoke far too quickly. No one can understand. And what were the ums and uhs? Jim, Jim, when you, how much thought actually goes in to what you're saying? Is it yeah. something which you actually think about? <laughs> no, not not just now. <laughs> but I mean, when you do, when you do the talk, because I, like, yeah. I, I know some people are, I'm fascinated whenever the pilot speaks mm-hmm. and I'm really interested, but I know lots of people just don't care and just really want to get on with watching the film. Do you, yeah. like... Is it scripted? Do you think about it? Because obviously there are some, some you know, some pilots love the sound of their own voice. Some pilots just literally yeah. you don't, you know, they don't want to say anything. So how much no. do you think about it? Uh, I mean, I, I think everyone has their own own individual style, and it's it is quite a it's sort of in your head. It's a script. It's never it's it's rarely written out. I think some fresh pilots do write out their their PAs, uh, but the problem is, it's when you get halfway through a PA and you don't even know where you're going, uh, and and that sounds bad. But if you do a four yeah. sector day and you're you're going to an airport name, so in your head, you know you're going to Arrecife, but you can't yeah. remember oh, where the hell is Arrecife? You know what country are we going to? <laughs> and you have to go, yeah, we're going to, um, and you have to, say, where are we going? And when is that the pilot equivalent of Roy playing a gig in Brighton? And going, hello, Bournemouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, that would just, never happen. Though, would it? <laughs> I've done that oh, many yeah. times. Oh, yeah. That's very funny. Yeah. Have you? Have you? Yeah. Um, oh, well. yeah. So uh, that certainly happened to, to colleagues. And I've certainly got through a, uh, an email. And, and you normally give the name of your uh, cabin crew, or the, certainly the cabin manager, whoever's leading the cabin. And you get to that point, and your leading your cabin today is... <laughs> Uh, Sharon Uh, (laughs) and then you get an angry knock on the door but I'm not Sharon I'm David Uh, (laughs) Um, so it probably should be sometimes thought out a bit more than it actually is yeah (laughs) I think so James love it well done. Um, one more <clears throat> question for you that's come in. Uh, Dave from Essex, have you ever flown in an airship? Ah, well, I have. Uh, I was for a short period the um, uh, the Puma roll demonstration pilot. Uh, 
which is, was to show off the, the Puma at a couple of at-home days. Uh, so, yeah, you got to get involved, in it, and so, which was good to get involved in all the planning of it, the uh, finding out about crowd lines and display centre and, and all the rules and regulations, and then attending all the briefings mm. and things. So I, I did that for a, a few a few air shows. So I have done some display flying, although it's technically a role demonstration. It's that fun to do, James. It's great fun to it, do, to, yeah. It, Mm. Yeah, it's really good because you are taking the the aircraft right to the edge of its envelope, and that's what d- display flying is about. It's about showing absolutely yeah. everything that an aircraft can do. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. It, it's it's really good fun to do, uh, and it's 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 it, 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 there's a sense of pride that you're showing off your flying skills to mm. x tens of thousands of people. It's interesting you should say that because a, a lot of sort of display organisers uh, would say people aren't here to see what you can do. They're here to see the aeroplane. And actually, pilots quite often get castigated, don't they, for being uh, showing off their skills rather than... I'm not sure about quite often, but they are asked to think more about displaying the, the aircraft than what they can do. Yeah, but... It's, it's a fine line. It is a fine line, but you have to be... I suppose you have to take an aircraft... Anybody could watch a, um, you know, a, a 747 flying past at 10,000 feet... But it takes somebody a little bit special to put a seven four seven at three hundred feet, surrounded by the red arrows, mm. and um, and do something slightly more interesting with it. Again, you're absolutely right. It's not about the pilots; it's about the aircraft. But you need the pilots to show the aircraft. Do you off. remember the British Airways VC ten that flew at thirty feet off the ground at White Wolf? That was a retirement a grass uh, airstrip. A retirement trip, wasn't it? I believe. <laughs> or it's, well, I, believe <laughs> I don't think he flew again. <laughs> pretty, no. pretty quickly, but it was yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I've seen the video, yeah. That's fantastic. Oh, I'd have loved to have been there. But James, just talking about helicopter displays, I think are awesome. And I'm not talking about the Chinook anymore, (laughs) but I am talking about helicopters like the Lynx, which seem to be able to do a loop-the-loop. There may be a bit of trickery in that, but the stuff where you see helicopters virtually inverted. And back in the day, Mm -hmm. and we've talked about this before, you and me, when we've been down at Dunsville watching the air shows. There used to be fantastic mass helicopter displays yeah. at, uh, at Farnborough. I think they called it the Elephant Dance. Yeah. And they did these fantastically, brilliantly choreogra- choreographed displays, yeah, no, formation displays. Loads and loads of helicopters up in the air at once. I think there was, there was certainly something about seeing a lot of aeroplanes up at once uh, because yeah. of the, the coordination that goes on. And that is, again... It's the skill of the pilots as well, just to formate, to know where you're going, to, to follow the uh, the plan. Uh, yeah, I, mm. I think there's, there's certainly more about for, formation uh, and two or three. I mean, the Lynx used to do go. Well, we used to be a Lynx and four gazelles, I think he used, used to do, which is always an interesting. Um, is that the Blue Eagles? I think that the, yeah, it was the Blue Eagles. Jim, if yeah. um, yeah. if you're looking at fast jets as opposed to helicopters, and I know we could talk about things like the Turb team, which is Rob's great mm-hmm. love, but. <laughs> what 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 would um what would you have to do? I mean, fast jets are fast jets, so everything's about power and precision and pace and speed. Mm-hmm. How would you yeah. differentiate a helicopter display from to make it as equal? Is it more about agility? Yeah, I think you have to again. You have to you have to show the the helicopter off to doing things that fast jets can't do because you can't take a fast jet on. You can't do a fast fast fly past at 140 knots and expect anyone to be impressed about it when they've just seen an F-35 <laughs> go past at max 7. <laughs> so um, you have to... It's all about tight turns, keeping it 
very visible uh, and just showing off what it can do, what the aircraft can do. Um, and, and again, almost, we used to try and build a bit of a story into it so it, it was a, a hostage rescue situation. So we did the first half with about six or seven troops on board, landed on, all the mm. troops came out with guns. We uh, shot off a loads of smoke and, um, and bangs going off. That all enhances and it just, yeah. it kind of puts people in the battlefield. Rather than yeah, theatre. Yeah, exactly. Theater. Yeah. 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 One of the reasons I love the Turbulent team, and I know you'll agree with me on this, on, on this James, because your kids, I think, love watching the Turbulent team. And one of the reasons is they are so slow mm-hmm. and they can get really close to the crowd <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that you, you can see everything that's going on. Their, their minimum permitted display height by the CAA is three feet. I, I mean, they're, they're limbo, <laughs> that's, that's official. Their limbo pole flying is just fascinating. I think that's the best part of it. Uh, yeah. and what, what, you know, what, what other team could do that? It's just fascinating. My kids came yeah. away from that display saying, Daddy, can we buy a turbulent? That was, <laughs> that was, that was how good they thought well, it was. I have to say, when I, was asking no, no, my kid, I was asking my kids yesterday um, uh, what, you know, what their favourite air show moments were from their limited, and, and Lottie actually said, I really love the turbs. So mm, I wasn't going to tell you actually, Rob, because I thought you might start talking about the turbs as much as you talk about Malaya. <laughs> I just give you another thing to talk about. Oh, on, and well, on and on. Yeah. But isn't that amazing though? Because a lot of what the kids like is as James alluded to earlier, is the noise and that mm. that's the thrill. But the turbulence yeah. putt putt around with their little VW Beetle engines. Mm. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Well, that's that's great to know. It's it's the sort of going harking back to the old barnstorming days of the of the nineteen twenties. But air shows have been around since the earliest days of aviation, or have they? Here's Jez with his air show quick facts. Well, thank you, Bert. I mean, again, these may not be terribly mm-hmm. quick, but they are hopefully facts. So here we go. <laughs> um, and 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 our listeners can beg to differ if I've got anything wrong. Uh, our, fir- uh, the, the, our first, the first recorded air show was held in Reims, in France, in 1909. And today, the biggest military air show in the world is Riot at Fairford in Gloucestershire, so one of our own. Aviation pioneer Sir Alan Cobham, famous for his long-distance flights to Cape Town, later for developing air-to-air refueling, started the National Aviation Day displays in 1932. And these were renowned for their barnstorming and joyriding displays. These events became known as Cobham's Flying Circus. Before the Second World War, most air shows were more concerned with air racing than static or flying displays. This tradition is to continue in the world-famous Reno air races. In the UK alone, over 6 million people attend air shows each year, generating over £120 million in revenues for local economies. Attending air shows is the UK's third biggest outdoor activity after football and horse racing. In the UK, the body responsible for promoting most air shows uh, is BADA, the British Air Display Association, of which our very own George Smokey Bacon is CEO. And of course, there are many memorable air show moments, too many to list, but of particular note might be Roly Fork barrel rolling a Vulcan bomber (laughs) at Farmer in 1955. We'll show you that. And the accidental, this is, I think this is brilliant, although it could have been really serious, the accidental takeoff Mm. of another V Force bomber. The victor at Bruntingthorpe in uh, 2009, following an error by the co-pilot when the when the aircraft took off, uh, got about 100 feet in the air, uh, and quite a way down the runway before the, the pilot regained control. And and one final. He's doing a fast taxi run. Fast taxi, which um, yeah. I think I think from my understanding is that the co-pilot slightly froze at the command throttle back, didn't throttle back, and 
<laughs> they just kept trundling down the airway. Uh, uh, the, 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 the pilot had to take his hand off the stick to get the, the throttles back. At that point, the aircraft just leapt into the air and he had to regain control. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen the footage of it, it's, it's easy to find. Uh, yeah. It's it's yeah. it's pretty spectacular. And, and here's one for Rob. Um, one of the biggest oh. air shows in Asia is the Langkawi International oh. Maritime and Aerospace Exhibition. Uh, it takes place every two years in Lamkawi, Malaya. Hey! Oh, marvellous. What a great, great fact. Yeah. Or Malaysia. Well, like, <laughs> we should probably Thanks for that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And it's Lamkawi, yeah. isn't it? Anyway. Jez, nice one. Well done on your quick fact. I hope they're okay, lads. Very good. Well done. Very, very good. Well done, matey. So, to our special guest this week, he's a display pilot, an air show commentator, and amongst many other things, he's the CEO of the British Air Display Association. So he more than cuts the mustard. It's George Smokey Bacon. Now, he talked to us about all sorts of things that he's involved in with uh, air shows all over the country, and uh, his experience of being an Army Air Corps pilot as well. You'll be able to hear that interview in full in our Full Flaps edition a week after this particular episode has dropped. But he also told us about plans that he has got with an air show that is coming up on the 20th of June, a virtual air show that will be available on YouTube for you to watch at your leisure. George, just with your Bardar hat, your British Air Display Association hat on, everyone's obviously regretting, whilst understanding the reason that so far this summer we haven't been able to have any air shows at all. What is the situation there and what are we likely to have by the end of the year in terms of air shows? Uh, that's a toughie. We're all waiting to see uh, what Boris will do in phase three of the great uh, plan. But um, a normal season would see well in excess of 100 air displays with about another 80 or 90 additional air events. So things like private parties and fly pass and commemorations, memorial flights, all that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, we'd normally get a turnout of around 5 million spectators a year turns over about 120, 130 million to the local mm. economy. Uh, so it's pretty big business. It's um, it, the displays run about number two alongside <clears throat> horse racing, uh, second only to football as the main spectator activity wow. uh, mm, for that, UK. Yeah, it is. And yeah, not it is. It is an extraordinary uh, popular. A family. The great thing mm. is it's family activity mm. because it's not just, you know, stuff that's in the air, but clearly you go to an air show and there's a lot of stuff to, to mess with on the ground and for kids to play with, a lot of high-tech development work. Um, my, my gut feeling right now is that um, we're not going to see much at all this year. We may scrape one or two events in September and October. Uh, Duxford in particular have put together a very robust COVID-19 compliant plan to mm. try and run their air show in the middle of uh, September. The one or two smaller events, I think the Channel Islands um, stand a good chance of doing something. And then there are one or two um, sort of charitable style fundraisers. I'm working on a, a Help for Heroes event for the middle of October at Highclere Castle, uh, which I'm mm. hoping will uh, will go ahead. And um, but most people, as you know, have postponed or cancelled um, provisionally to come back in 2021. And meanwhile, however, we have been very busy, as you may well know, because I'm now immersed in producing, presenting around four virtual air shows for this summer. They're all going to be aired in the next uh, so four to six ha- weeks. How does a virtual air show work? Can you 
Give us a clue. Well, you've got to, first of all, take the pill to convince yourself you're in, the, <laughs> in a different world. No. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not, I mean, Glastonbury uh, atmosphere would probably help better, wouldn't it? Um, but I won't go into that. Um, now, what we're going to do is basically uh, put a lot of really exciting footage together, a lot of it um, unseen, um, and then present it as if it is a live program. So mm. we're going to set up a studio, um, and, and then we're going to call in, obviously, we're going to pre-record a lot of stuff, but talk over it as if it was live. And then half of the time, we'll actually be inviting the pilots to call in to us as we're playing a video of their display, so they can talk us through the display. Um, oh, at the same fun. time, we'll have a bit of interactive stuff on Twitter and Facebook and Q&As and that sort of thing as well. Um, but hugely complicated. Um, and, <laughs> and, and I haven't done one before. Um, and the first one's next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Help. Help. Exactly. George, George, how far back are you going to go? Are you, are you going back, you know, uh, is it all very current? Are you going to go back um, to maybe aircraft that are no longer flying, for example, the Vulcan? Uh, yes, that will be featured, uh, certainly. Um, I mean, uh, there's still a good team running the Vulcan, as you know, up in Yorkshire, and, and they're making a sort of interactive museum out of the whole thing, which mm. is great, particularly for supporting STEM um, and, and getting youngsters involved in historic aviation. But, yeah, we'll be looking back at all the historic flights, um, uh, hence why I'm there. Uh, there are younger people as well involved, you'll be glad to know. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the features, to give an example of that uh, cross-reference between um, the, the past and the present, is we're going to do uh, one sequence, which is called Lightning Strikes Thrice, uh, which <laughs> is about the development of the term of lightning attached to aircraft from uh, the 40s right through to the modern F-35 Lightning II. Oh. So there are lots of little uh, you know, things like that. But obviously, <clears throat> the BBMF will be involved, uh, some of the Shuttleworth aircraft, perhaps. Um, so um, all in all, I think it's, um, it's going to be very entertaining. Brilliant to hear all of, well, not all of George's stories, but many of them. And we will be meeting up with George again in the future. Great to hear from him. And do make sure that you tune in to his uh, armchair air show on the 20th of June. If it's already gone past that date when you're listening to this, it'll still be on YouTube. Uh, there was a clip on an ITV news item looking ahead to this event. Uh, that I looked at today, and it had a clip of uh, Mike Ling, former Red Arrows pilot, talking to Martin Pert, who's the current leader, uh, talking through the display with a video uh, in the side of the screen. Absolutely fascinating. So it is going to be brilliant. And just to say as well, I've been also looking through the uh, BritishAirShows.com website to see how the airshow scene is looking. It does look that by the time we get to into September, there aren't many cancellations yet, of course, so that, that may well change. But BritishAirshows.com is a really good website uh, to check out to see what is happening in the airshow world right now. OK, everybody, it is time once more for the highlight of the pod. <laughs> it's the quiz. Yeah! <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. Glad to hear the enthusiasm yeah, is as high as ever. <laughs> Let's just hear the uh, this week's buzzers. Uh, Roy, I thought you let yourself down badly with your diving stuka. It just made no impact until it hit the ground, by which time everyone had answered the question. Exactly. Yeah. So, I, well, Roy, what have you got? What have you well, got? Because this, this we're week? still doing this remotely. I'm in the recording studio, and I've reached for the first thing I've got, and so I have a guitar. And that's D minor, the saddest uh, of all chords. Sad. Sad, very sad. <laughs> like James's. Can you do a happy chord? Or you do want a D minor? <laughs> no D minor, it's the saddest of all chords. D minor, all right, D minor it is. 
Jimbo, yeah, what have you got I, for I was going to have my uh, cockpit alarm clock, which wakes me up. But uh, I've gone for the <laughs> autopilot disconnect noise today. That's, uh, that's my answer. That's good. That's fairly impactful. Yours, that would wake us up, I think. <laughs> quite saving. Well, they are all his alarm is, clocks. They, they all come from the flight deck, and it's a fairly samey environment. Sorry about that. We'll bring a circus in next time. Maybe we can have some clowns <laughs> juggling. If it's just an observation, it's needed to be well, chipping. <laughs> all right. So, Jez, last week you had a really funny line from Airplane. What have you got this week? I've got another really funny air line from Airplane. It's all getting a bit samey, isn't it? That's not samey. <laughs> no, well, I'd actually forgotten to do it until, you, until just... Oh, don't geez. say anything, James. Just, no, you've got another I'm saying nothing. Something. I am saying nothing. No, you do your same old thing. Do things. you want to hear this or not? Go no. on. Yes, right, here we go. This could be the only time you hear it during the quiz, so here we go. Well, that's very appropriate. Okay. I thought yeah, it was very, very two good. hours of research to find that and then try and edit it without getting all the other bits of speech in. Here Question. we go. Quiz is underway. Question number one. <laughs> yes, James? M- M- <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a point away. That's in. Minus yeah. one. Taking the mickey out of the host, well, not a good idea. <laughs> never, never, ever a good idea. He, he is the James star of the show, <laughs> not you. <laughs> That's correct, bro. Well done. Well said. Question number one. Who is the world's oldest aerobatic team? It's gone very quiet. What is the world's oldest aerobatic team? I ain't got any ideas at all. I'm going to say the Blue Eagles because it's the only one I can think of that isn't the Red Arrows. The Army Air Corps helicopter display team. Incorrect. Anyone, any other? I'll give you a clue. It's not British. They're not British. Are they Italian? You can have another go, Jez. No. Yes, James. Disengage the autopilot. Is it the uh, Blue Angels? No, it's not the Blue Angels. Why do you want to stick a D minor in there and have a go? The blue D minor diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's the first time no one has been able to answer a question. It is actually the Patrouille de France. Uh, oh. They've been active since 1931. Now, of course, flying nine Alpha jets, but um, officially established in 53. But 1931, they first started Patrouille de France. Okay, question two. Where was the Red Arrows' first public display? It was in 1965. Disengage that autopilot. I'm going to take a bit of a guess here at Little Rissington. Yes, I will allow that. Why do you say that? I believe that was the head of uh, Central Flying School, which is where they were kind of based out of, and they they did their displays there first. You're almost right. Yeah, I will give you that, Jim. It's not quite the correct answer. They were indeed based at RAF uh, Little Rissington. And they did a display there, their first display, but it was only in front of the press. So okay. it's for the media. So they then went off and did their first public display. Which which country, Jez, do you think their first public display might have been oh, in? Ma- Malaya. May have been France or Malaya. <laughs> <laughs> 
guys, you seem to be obsessed with uh, Which by 1965, by the way, was Malaysia. <laughs> Just to remind you. Became Malaysia okay. in 63. Uh, so no, is it France? It was France. Thank you very it much. was actually in France. It yeah. was the French National Air Day at Clermont Ferrand. Um, and then a few days after that, they did their first British public display at Biggin Hill in Kent. And I uh, was there and oh, saw it wow. in their, I think, oh, seven wow. Folland Nats. Yeah, thrilling. Wow. Absolutely thrilling. Showing your age. Well done. Do I get a point for that? Well, I'm, I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> no, you don't, Joe. No. James got the point for the wrong answer. <laughs> Thank you. Although he was James already is back on, on Nord, which is yeah! good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah, back on board. Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's level. It's a really close contest this week. <laughs> <laughs> Staying with the Red Arrows, oh, uh, they've had a number of bases over the years, starting indeed, as James said, at Little Rissington in Gloucestershire, and after several moves, ended up at their current home, RAF Scampton in Lincolnshire. However, with Scampton due to close in the next couple of years, from 2022, the Reds will be based where? Oh. Yeah, I thought I thought the RAF guy might get this. Yes, Jim. Wittering. He's wrong. He's wrong. <laughs> no, it's not oh, Wittering. Oh, oh, oh. And I've read this this week. He looks he looks absolutely stunned. Listener, I wish you could see him. Well, hmm, I wouldn't. No, no that's it. You, you've had to go. We'll come back to you, James, after the others have also got it wrong. Roy, do you want to go? Jez? It's 60 miles from where they are now. It's in the same county. Is it? Yeah, about that. It's not very it's good. Not it Milden is in Lincolnshire. Mildenhall. Mildenhall. Yeah. Well, Jim, I just. <laughs> hang on, Jim. Hang on, Jim. I'm just going to let Jez carry on his rather feeble train of thought. Uh, see if it takes him to the right place. Well, could you pack it in? <laughs> it's. Uh, it's I, I'm going to say Scampton. I don't even know if that's still going. No. That's no, that's the one that. No, they're at Scampton. They're at Scampton. Oh, Scampton. Okay, it's yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, you've run out of dream. chances, right? Yeah, I have, really. Uh, People are doing. It's bad. Not many answers oh. this week. We'll come to you, Jim. We'll come to you. Waddington, RAF Waddington. It's RAF Waddington. Oh, You're absolutely correct. That's near. That's in Lincolnshire, isn't it? Mark, for the first time in two pods, he's got a point. <laughs> well done. Very, very well done. Now, we've mentioned some of the world's most famous aerobatic teams, of course, with the Red Arrows, the Patrouille de France, Italy's Frecce Tricolori, li- literally meaning fresh salad, uh, named <laughs> after their famous dish of avocado, tomato and buffalo mozzarella. Um, but, <laughs> which, but which nations do these teams represent? First of all, the Snowbirds. Oh, ah, ah, oh my phone's bloody blocked. Yeah. <laughs> yes, James, just in ahead of Roy, and I don't know what's happened to James. Canada. Uh, I knew that one. They are indeed. Snowbirds uh, are from Canada. Very well done. They fly the Tutor jet trainer there, which is a bit like a, a jet provost. Next one. The Roulettes. The Roulettes, whose hits included Sugar Baby Love, <laughs> a UK number one in May 1974. And they fly seven Pilatus PC-9s. It was the Roulettes, by the way. The roulettes. Oh, 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 I've deleted my thing. Oh. Hang on. Are you cheating? Are you trying to? No, Jess, we can't have this cheating. Yes, right. Uh, Australia. Oh, he's done it. Australia is the right answer. That's quite a surprise, I'm isn't half it? That sort of, you you yeah. would think it might be French or Belgian or something, but it is indeed Australia. 
Two more. There are lots of teams called Black Eagles, Black Knights, Black Falcons. Let's give you the Black Knights. They fly six F-16s. Where are the Black Knights from? Oh, oh no, that's... <laughs> Are you playing a voice recording? I'm meant saying... to play my thing for the last answer for the Slowbirds. What I did was press record, and now <laughs> instead of <laughs> uh, this is going quite badly wrong. Play it again. Play Hang it on. again. Play it again. <laughs> so this is supposed to be. <laughs> oh, I've deleted my this. <laughs> I I yes, is this. that your buzzer? No. This is why I am. This is the only reason I'm here on the podcast. <laughs> Jez, are you just playing us lots of clowns, <laughs> or would you actually like to try and answer the question? I can't remember what the question was. Well, yeah, I don't think it makes any difference, Falcons. even if you did know what the question is. It's I'm, the Black the black Knights. I, the black I'm still knights. buzzing. Yes, Jim. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, I think <laughs> just ignoring you. Did you? Were you just strumming for fun, or was that an know, attempt I, to answer I, the question? I, no, I don't know. I don't know. You don't know, James. I thought the Black Knights were an RAF display team a long time oh, far ago. Far off. It's Singapore. Uh, Singapore. Singapore. The Royal uh, Singaporean Air Force, who in the past flew Hawker Hunters, actually. And one more, and I think because we've had George uh, on the show uh, this week, we've ha- I had to put this one in for him. There is an aerobatic team called the Smoky Bandits. The Smoky Bandits. Where do you think they come from? They fly five MiG-29s. Wow, that'd be great fun. Mm. Uh, I mean, is it too obvious to say... Well, you need to buzz. Exactly, that's what you need to do. Russia. Yes, Jez. Russia. Nice try. Because of the mix. No, that's... that's, that's yeah, it's not Russia. It's a good try. Yes, I'm James. going on a bit of a limb here. I'm going to say... Go on. The, 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 the state formerly known as Malaya, now known as Malaysia. <laughs> <laughs> what made you say that? I don't know. There's something... Have you just been looking at something, your iPad? There's something that just tells me... <laughs> It might have been yeah. Malaya. Malaysia. Malaysia. Well, James, you are spot on. Oh, the no. Smoky Bandits <laughs> are the Malaysian Air Force, the Royal Malaysian Air Force team formed in 2011. They're not actually a permanent team. They do have a permanent team called the Chris Sakti, which is the magic dagger, but they fly four extra 300, so not as exciting. Smoky Bandits, Malaysia. Well done, Jim. I'm going to give you a bonus. Although I, ah, I've got a sneaky ah, feeling you might have, you might have cheated. I the scores on the cheat. doors are in third place with null point, Jeremy Curling. Very disappointing for our historian <sighs> yeah, who's done more research on air shows than anybody else. <laughs> but not those bits. With one point in second place, Roy Stride. But our winner, having started off on minus one, yeah. is James Cartner. Well <laughs> done, Jim. Well done, Jim. Well done. Well done, well, well done. done. Guys, James. thanks very much. Another another lovely show. And uh, don't forget the Armchair Air Show, 20th of June. It'll be on YouTube whenever you're listening to this beyond that date as well at www.aerobility.com. 
for the full UK airshow calendar and airshow news, BritishAirshows.com as well. And there's the Barda website. And remember, you can still hear our Amy Johnson, Spitfire and Concord podcast, as well as their respective full flaps interviews with Amanda J. Harrison, Jim Schofield and John Hutchinson. And uh, coming up in future episodes of Top Landing Gear, we'll be hearing from a former Red Arrows synchro pair leader. We'll have a little-known winner of the 1969 Daily Mail Air Race and lots more in the pipeline as well. And do remember, please, to let us know anything or anyone you'd like us to feature, and we'll try and make it happen. Don't forget Full Flaps, which will be coming up with uh, George Bacon once this show has been running for a week. Well worth a listen. He'll keep you hugely informed and and royally entertained. Uh, Remember, you can get in touch with us, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Top Landing Gear. And you can also contact us on email with your questions for our expert, James Cartner, info at toplandinggear.com with two G's. And however you're listening to us, please do leave a review, especially if you've enjoyed it. Thanks very much for listening. Bye for now. This is Top Landing Gear.